Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 228. Do you know what happens when you mix Thunder and Scrooge McDuck? <laughs> no, I, what happens when you mix Thunder and Scrooge McDuck? Storm above the rich. <laughs> Thank you, Julius. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hello, and welcome. I'm practicing the old dad jokes today. <laughs> Did you just make that one up even? No, I had that one pre-planned. Oh. <laughs> That's a good one. So, yeah, today today's game is a, it's a nice little game. It's a Disney family type game, basically. It mm-hmm. is Storm Above the Reich. Um, it is a World War II game in which you are flying uh, German fighters trying to defend the motherland from um, from bombers, American bombers. So yeah, basically Scrooge McDuck. Yes, exactly. Scrooge, <laughs> Scrooge McDuck, nice Disney, cute cartoony graphic. No, <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. So so this is a war game. Um, if you know us, you know Julius hasn't played it, and I have. So this will be mm. mostly me talking. <laughs> and most of me just commenting on the fact but, that it's mm-hmm. a war game. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so, so the summary. So the, I already basically said the summary. You're defending against German bombers, um, American bombers. I'm sorry. The game Storm Above the Reich is actually a, a standalone sequel to Storm a Strike. What is it? I'm sorry. Hang on. Skies Above the Reich, the original game. Um, and it's it's basically the same game. There's, I believe, there's some different minor rules, um, based on the different types of airplanes and whatnot. But otherwise, if you've played one, you can be able to jump right into the other one. The difference is you're you're in each game you're flying different planes and fighting against different types of bombers in different periods of the war, and that sort of thing. Um, so there's a summary. So the rules. The the first thing you would notice about the rules is that the rule book is sixty pages, so it's a pretty darn big one. Um, sixty four. So I'm sorry, sixty four. That's the that's the basic rules. There's also the advanced rule book, which is another forty pages, and then there's also another book in there, which is the situation manual, which is only twenty eight pages. That's a short one, and I mean, and that one really is small because when you play, you're going to use one page. You'll have it open, and it's just image pictures. Really, it's all you have in there. But yeah, it's a sixty four page rule book. Which sounds super intimidating, but actually isn't. It it is. I'll tell you, it's one of the best rule books I've ever seen, honestly. And you know, far and above most other rule books. And and maybe it's because it's a war game, and so if I'm comparing it against a war game, oh yeah, it's so so much easier to learn. The the text compared is... against the worst rule books, it's not the worst. <laughs> is that? <laughs> yeah, a low bar, huh? So. <laughs> Well, I mean, what it is, it's 64 pages, but the text is not at all dense. It's the density of, say, uh, a pandemic game rulebook. It's very That's dense. Pandemic? No. <laughs> I'm going to say there's a lot of text on many it... of these pages. Like, it's really? not, it's full rulebook pages. I don't think so. You must have a different version because what I'm looking at, I mean, here's a page of rulebooks. I'm showing Julius on the. Cause we have I don't know. That's a lot of text on that page. <laughs> it's pretty. I mean, this is. No, compared to a, a, a normal war game, trust me. <laughs> it's, You're right. 
Once yeah. again, setting the bar low, it's not the block point, a full mm-hmm. page of text. It has pictures. It has pictures. Lots of it's pictures, true. lots of di- diagrams. And and the funniest thing is about you get this rule book, right? Right on page two. It says, you don't need to read this rule book to learn, to, to learn the game. Peruse the player aid folders. They will explain the components and some basic concepts. Then just yeah, follow along. That comes after two pages of introduction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and... And you know it's pretty true ish. I I started the game. I did what it said. I went to the player aids. The player aids told me what to do. They're actually really well laid out. The player, the rule book has basic about a rule per page, just about. And the player aid has there's different charts in throughout. And whenever you're looking at a player aid, it will tell you what page in the rule book to reference. It's in a little clear blue, uh, squ- rounded square with a page number. You go to that page, and there's the rule that you're you're referencing in the chart. And likewise, if it mentions another chart or the rulebook mentions a chart, it will tell you the chart. Every chart table or, or section is labeled with a letter. So it's super easy and to cross-reference everything and find what you're looking for. Um, it really does make it easier to learn. So when you're learning, you start with the first chart, and it tells you the different steps. And it says, you know, if you, when you want more detail about this, go to the rulebook. And then you spend a little time reading the rulebook. So it's a very simple way to learn the rulebook, almost like a... A fantasy flight kind of thing where they've got a manual for learning and a manual for reference. This sort of accomplished the same thing in a single book, along with the player aids. At least I thought so. I really did. Um, again, really impressed with it. it. It's super easy to find stuff. Super easy to reference. It is. It is not a hard game to learn, even though it has sixty-four pages. Um, again, you know, it's for a rule book. There, if this were if this were a typical rule book with dense rules. I think this would be less than 20 pages easily. Uh, you know, probably probably a dozen pages, maybe. So that's, I mean, there's the rules. That's that's what it's, uh, the rule book. That's what I thought about it. Easy to follow, um, not complicated, easy to reference when you need to. The, I mean, I think it looks like your standard rule book. I'm, I've seen many war books, war game rule books that are just a point by point outline that look more like the contracts I see in my day job mm-hmm. as opposed to the rule books I see when I'm playing games. This looks like a rule book that I would normally see, except for the fact that it's 64 pages. Mm-hmm. But at the very least, you know, it looks like a normal and well written rule book. Yeah, exactly. A normal Euro game type rule book. A normal family family weight, even. <laughs> That's 64 pages. Yes. And the family weight of this game is pretty darn heavy. That box is... Don't drop it. <laughs> it's a big box. So, okay, so the theme... Um, you know, the theme comes across the game in the in the game really well. It's interesting. Uh, it's well implemented. It's it's all familiar. It just makes sense. You know, I have, it's funny enough. I ha, I went back and I've, I have played a total of seven different games about bombing during world war two. Surprising. And I've covered a number of those in the podcast. Um, but th- they're all either bombing Germany or bombing, uh, the UK and, and having played that many at this point, and there's so many more, honestly, the, the subject matter is pretty familiar, and, and I kind of understood the concept of what's going on and how the raids work. So I found that interesting. So that that's why I said the it was a familiar theme, which surprised me. Um, going back and looking how many games I've played. So yeah, I mean World War II bombing. It is. It's worth saying it's abstracted enough that you, you don't feel. 
like I think the usual problem with playing a war game, World War II game is nobody wants to play the Germans, right? Everybody, nobody wants to be the bad guys. You don't necessarily really feel it. I mean, you're attacking bombers, but the combat itself is abstract enough. You do have pilots with names, but it, it you know, it never for me, it never felt very intimate whatsoever. So components, the it's a pretty darn big box. I already mentioned the rule books it brings. It brings some reference charts, a number of reference charts. It brings four boards, four double-sided boards. Each board represents a different type of uh, bomber formation that the Americans used to fly in. The The idea behind the bomber formations is if you if you flew in groups, you could defend each other better. The bombers, not only they carried the bombs, but they were really good at defending themselves. They were armed with guns all around, on the top and the bottom, front, back, everywhere. So it was really hard to attack a bomber. And if they flew in a closed formation they could defend each other also. And, and it's just really hard. So so the different boards have actually the bombers printed on them. The bombers bombers are static. You will fly around them and you're trying to break these formations. Um, the earliest, the smallest board in the first one is relatively easy to fight against and get to the bombers. The other ones are, are tighter grids and more, more defendable for the Americans. And so it's interesting in that it's a lesson on, on how air technology or strategy evolved over time. The Besides the boards and the rule books and all the other charts and stuff you get, there are wooden blocks. This game uses blocks. The blocks represent the planes, um, both the, the German planes and the... Actually, no, just the German planes. I'm sorry. All the German planes you could have. And there's also some blue blocks that are just plain blue blocks that you use to put under your airplanes to show the altitude. Because um, there's three different altitudes that you could come in and attack in low, medium, or high. Um, so when you have them on the board, you've got your planes on the different blocks. And it looks kind of neat. There's a card that are used for the combat when you're attacking the, the bombers. And then there's also a bunch of different counters for different things. Tracking stuff on the board, as well as the escort fighters defending the bombers. Um, so all this in a pretty darn big box. When you play, it doesn't feel like a lot, especially the counters compared to other war games. It's relatively light. You don't use a lot at the whole time, and it's relatively easy to organize. I did not have trouble keeping track of things in this game. What else is there? Gameplay components. Okay, so the well, gameplay. Mm-hmm. Well, go, yeah, on. go on. Actually, you I think my comment's more about gameplay, so I'll throw it Okay. In so the gameplay for this, it's... um. When you're not attacking bombers, it go, the turns will go really fast. But the whole point of the game is attacking the bombers. But a turn is you're moving in the formation um, around the bombers, positioning yourself. You're checking to see if you're attacked by, by the escorts. If so, you're fighting escorts. You are rolling for attacks, for flak attacks from like ground defense on the bombers, which may hit them and knock them down for you. And then after all that, if you do the combat, you then move your blocks onto the board around the bombers and do all the combat, which will take a little while. But the rest of that turn is really quick. It's just rolling dice here and there and, and moving on. Um, that That is generally the gameplay. The idea is, again, you're, the board's pretty abstract. There's a picture of bombers in the middle, and then there's areas on the top and the two, bottom and the two sides where you position your planes as they're trying to position themselves in in the right altitude on each side, on each section, and then go in for an attack. 
And so these are just different little squares that you move your blocks onto. Once you get in the right position, the attack, you'll put your your planes, your your wooden blocks around the bombers on a grid showing which side you're attacking from, which altitude, and which direction you're facing. You will flip cards over to see how the combat resolves, which tends to be pretty random, honestly. You, <laughs> you could do stuff to control the randomness, but, but it, honestly, it is really random. And you will move your planes as they fly through the bomber groups, and your planes will get attacked and possibly take damage. It all plays really quickly. It's, a, it's an interesting game. It's really quick, and it's relatively abstract, but you do get a good sense of how air combat worked at a strategic level, which I thought was really darn interesting. I mentioned the game is also pretty random. There's a lot of rolling. And, you know, I don't know if it's just uh, the air combat games that I've played, but they all felt relatively random. A lot of them did. A few of them felt more gamey, but there's a lot of die rolling to see what happens, and it feels like some some stuff is just out of your control. But you do get a, a really good thematic sense of what the, the battle was like. And I do enjoy it. I would say this game actually reminds me of a, a few other games. Um, no, most notably, B-17, Queen of the Skies, which is another bomber game. This one, this is an older game. We've never talked about it in the podcast. But in this one, you play an American bomber going into Germany and bombing and come back. And in there, you're you're flying your bomber and shooting the different guns in the different directions. That game, <laughs> it's entirely random. All you do the whole game is roll dice to see what happens. You don't ever make any choices. You just roll dice, follow the charts, and then roll the next set of dice to see what happens and you know log everything that happens. It has one situation where there would be a choice potentially. I don't remember exactly what it's like. If you're getting attacked from above, by two different planes, you could choose which of the two you're going to shoot at in one specific scenario. Other than that, everything was entirely random. I really considered at one point making a spreadsheet to to play the game for me and just put all the formulas and random number generators in there. You could have played it myself. But it was a really fun game. Anyway, that the randomness in this <laughs> reminds me Glo- of that game. Glowing recommendation. I thought about putting in a spreadsheet instead of playing it. <laughs> But you know what? It is surprisingly fun. It's It was a really quick game. You'd play it. It maybe take 15 or 20 minutes. And that's what I remember. And then you'd be ready to play it again and see what happens. And it was gruesome. The game was actually designed so that you would lose pilots often and lose. It was, it was actually, in the show notes, it says it's harder than the real combat was and more more fatalities in it, just to make the game more interesting. But it, it was interesting. It really was fun. And just you play through it and you see it. Um. It's an expensive game too now. I saw it my my friendly local game store had it in the used game section. Somebody brought it in. It was going for like $70 or something like that. Surprisingly expensive. Um, but it reminds me of that. It reminds me of London's Burning, which is another game in which you're bombing you're playing the fighters defending in that case, you're defending on the UK during the uh German raids into London. And there you're moving around on the map, positioning yourself to fight the bombers around the map of uh, lower England, the UK, and then moving to a different map to do the combat where you're again positioning your altitude and whatnot as you fought. And that was very abstract. But it kind of reminded me that, about that too again, maybe just because because it's bombers. And then the third game I'll mention is The Hunters, which is a different game. That is a game about submarines. Um, 
It's also published by GMT. In there, you play a, a German U-boat commander, and you go and you're sinking ships. Similar to B-17, that there's a lot of rolling and randomness, but with a lot more choice. I thought this was a little bit similar, but with all that spatial element where you're choosing... And here, it is randomness, but you're choosing a lot of stuff. You're choosing which altitude you're attacking, which side you're attacking from, uh, to some extent when, with which planes you're attacking with. Um... And then when you're attacking, you know, you're positioning each fighter around the various bombers trying to decide which one to attack and, and get down. So it's it's an interesting game. It's historically education, which I thought was really fun, and I enjoyed that. The, the one big letdown for me about this game is that there's no notes in the rulebook. Most, most uh, GMT war games have uh, designer notes at the end of the book telling you about the history or why they designed things a certain way and whatnot. They left that out in this one entirely. If they if they did have it, I couldn't find it. There's that little brief introduction at the beginning, but that would be about it. Hmm. Yeah. So you, you did you have any comments or questions? Oh, yeah. Um, so the, the most amount of experience that I have with the game, I would do not own a copy of it, but I did watch a couple playthroughs and, and read a bit about it. What I thought was really interesting to me, the first thing that I note about the game is you would expect to have everything be flying around the game. But I think that they made a really smart choice to essentially say, look, the, the bombers are going in a straight line and everything is just relative to the formation of the bombers. And therefore you can stick the bombers and have them be essentially stationary and everything mm -hmm. can just move around them which meant that the game plays much easier. It means that there's less upkeep having to deal with how the bombers are moving, what it is that they're doing. They're just straight stationary, essentially targets granted targets that shoot back, mm -hmm. but they're, they're just targets. And that means that the game becomes much more accessible, much more accessible and much more playable almost because of that, leap mm. and it makes a lot of sense it makes a lot of presentation much more easily from what i was seeing and i just wanted to call out that specific point which almost was immediately obvious to me of how wise of a design decision that was yeah i, I agree it, it really it abstracts that whole part of the movement which in a way is irrelevant for for the goal of the game and you know it just shows you it, it then shows you in seven and leaves the strategy behind how to attack from the different sides and whatnot and the benefits of attacking from the side or the back or the front because they each play out differently attacking from the front for example can be way more deadly than, than other stuff than other locations makes sense yeah and and also showing how depending on the formation they're in attacking one bomber is more dangerous than another or attacking that bomber from the back is bad but from the front might be better so all that all that was really interesting and, and like you said abstracting the the planes off of it. It really just took a lot of unnecessary bookkeeping out of there. Um, you don't have to worry about that. It just makes it so much easier. And you still get a, a really a good sense of the game and the and the experience. Now, granted, it still looks like there's a lot of bookkeeping for this. There's a huge amount of components and pieces and stats and spots on the board and tracking. And there's. it seems to me like there's a lot of things you have to keep up in the air when you're playing 
it joke not intended. <laughs> oh, and I missed. I'm so bad at catching these names. <laughs> so the, it depends on the scenario to some extent. the The earlier war, <coughs> excuse me. There, you could play the game as a campaign, or you could play individual missions. Uh, I generally played as campaigns. There's four different periods of the war that you could play this through. When you play a campaign, you will roll dice to see randomly which which map you're playing on and which um, where their planes were coming in, where they're over the bombing target, where they're heading home, and all these things that you roll up determine how the how the game's going to play out when the when the uh, defense shows up or when it leaves, as well as is there flak or not flak, and have any of the pl- bombers already been damaged? So all these things get determined by the, by the random rolls at the beginning of the scenario throughout the campaign. Um, the earlier campaigns, the board is smaller, and so there's less counters on the board. The the um, I already forgot the word. I've said it a dozen times already. The escorts that come with the with the American planes, the fighters, there's less of, less of them, and they tend to be a little easier to fight, I found. So it can be pretty darn easy to play one of those scenarios. I think you can finish one in maybe 30 to 40 minutes, honestly. And if it goes poorly, faster. I, I played a game where, where I lost in about 10 minutes. Or, yeah, it ended. And I just, all my all my planes left quickly. Uh, the bigger boards, I have not played the back, the fourth board. The That one's got the most planes in it. That would definitely take longer because... Generally speaking, you have more points to spend at the beginning, so you're going to have more planes to control and more fighters to deal with and whatnot. So there'll be a lot more of that combat on the board that takes a while because you're for each plane you have, you're flipping a card to see who got damage. If you did, if you got damage, you drew counters, and then you have to resolve the counters. You draw counters for any hits you make on the bombers, and you have to resolve those. And so all that adds a little time here and there. Even then, if... It falls pretty quickly and smoothly, so it doesn't it doesn't feel overwhelming, and it never feels like there's a huge amount of things on the board that's overwhelming. Um, at least not in terms of counter. Maybe in terms of your blocks, but you're also likely attacking in groups because there's benefits to attack as a group instead of a single bomb or fighter at a time. So yeah, I, I did not find the the amount of bookkeeping and tracking of counters and things on the board overwhelming at all as compared to other games it's relatively light the some of the things like the 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 uh, dog fights and whatnot the combat with the escorts or the fighters it goes really quickly and is terrible when when it happens you you don't want it to happen because if it happens you might get your planes knocked down and you might lose pilots which is going to affect your your campaign negatively but also pretty much anytime you fight another plane you're those planes you had are off the board. Because what would happen is if, if you're attacking a bomber formation and some escorts come and you start dogfighting with them and trying to avoid them or trying to knock them down or whatever, by the time that fight was settled, the bombers were long gone. You couldn't catch up anymore. So so there's games where I'm playing and my my fighters are just getting picked off here and there off the game. And a, a game that might end in eight or nine rounds could be over in two or three. Just out of luck. Bad luck, I guess. I, I am pretty sure the more you play, the more you could deal with that. Um, because you do know that the the escorts are going to generally come from certain directions. So you could avoid being on those sides, and that may help. But that's not always the case. Because there's cases where I had a group of fighters, like say four fighters, are about to attack and, and do a lot of damage, hopefully. And I roll for the escorts, and it says, oh, 
put escorts where you have the most fighters. Well, guess what? Those fighters are now probably out of the game. <laughs> and it was my biggest group. There's just nothing you could do about that. Which, you know, again, it's okay. It's historical and it's just the way things really were. And you, you, you're, you're surprised at just how much luck was involved in these fights and how hard it really was to, to knock down bombers and how futile it must have been and frustrating to be a, a fighter. And at the same time, probably a relief because you don't necessarily really want to get involved with all these bombers. It just seemed dangerous. This is just crazy. This war stuff was crazy. So, yeah. Um, it's an interesting game. I really enjoyed it. And that was really about the it. only comment I really had I to, to throw. <laughs> it was a good one because you're right. I mean, the, the whole thing is the way they abstracted it was really, really clever. It would never occur to me to do something like that. When I first saw those boards with those bombers just printed on there, I was like, what? How's that going to work? That seems lame. Not at all. It's a great idea. So there you go. Storms above the Reich. This game probably deserves hours more conversation, but, you know, <laughs> so be it. We are limited to our half hour. Mm-hmm. Upset when we're not. <laughs> all right. Uh, everyone, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy this. Have a good night, everyone. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-like license. Thanks for listening.